Will you turn in your Bibles tonight to Exodus chapter 30? Exodus chapter 30. Tonight, we come to the last article of furnishing that was placed inside the tabernacle, inside the holy place, and it is the altar of incense. Going back to Exodus chapter 25, we see descriptions of all of the other articles of furnishing that went into the tabernacle. We had the Ark of the Covenant. We had the table of the bread of presence. We had the golden lampstand. And then the instructions for the building of the tabernacle itself. And then the description of the brazen altar back in chapter 27. And then in chapter 28 and 29, Moses described the arraignment or the the garments of the priesthood as well as the consecration and ordination of Aaron and his sons to the priesthood. Now we come in chapter 30 to this last piece of furniture for the tabernacle, the altar of incense. And this question has been asked by probably just about every commentator on the book of Exodus is why wait till now to talk about the altar of incense when all the other furniture was discussed earlier, going back to chapter 25 to 27. Why this one piece of furniture after the description of Aaron and the priests? And there is a very critical answer to that question. The very liberal critical answer to that question is that the book of Exodus is just a bunch of edited material anyway. And so the editor got it wrong and put this in the wrong place which begs the question of, you know, it really has a very low estimation of the editor of Exodus, if that was the case, that he would not intentionally put it with all the other furnishings. Anyway, that's the more critical liberal view. But if you read the text and focus on how, how it is arranged and the flow of thought, I think we can see a pattern in the way that Moses has arranged this. And there's a reason why this article of furniture comes where it does. If you have your Bibles and you want to flip back a couple of pages, you can go back to the end of chapter 27. And at the end of the chapter, at the end of chapter 27, there is a description of the oil for the golden lampstand. And it says in, uh, Verse 20, command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the light so that the lamps may be kept burning. In the tent of meeting outside the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant Law, Aaron and his sons are to keep the lamps burning before the Lord from evening till morning. This is to be a lasting ordinance among the Israelites for the generations to come. Now, two things there. I think, set us up for what is coming. One is the mention of Aaron and his sons tending the golden lampstands. But the problem is is that we haven't really talked about the priesthood yet. So he mentions Aaron and his sons doing priestly duties. So then the very next thing that he describes is Aaron and his sons. And choosing them consecrating them, ordaining them for this ministry of the priesthood, preparing them for these ministries. 
The second thing that's at the end of chapter 27 that is interesting is the mention of evening and morning. So in other words, the the tending of the oil for the lampstand was a priestly duty that was to happen every day, twice a day, every evening and every morning. Now, if you go to chapter 30, where we're going to be looking at tonight, chapter 30 pretty much picks up exactly where the end of chapter 27 left off. So it's almost as if chapter 28 and 29 are like a parenthesis, if you will, talking about Aaron and his sons because they're the ones who are going to be doing these priestly duties that are now being discussed. And so these are the, these are the things that, that involve the activity of the priests on a very daily basis the tending of the oil, and then in chapter 30, the tending of the altar of incense. If you look in verses 7 and 8, it says, Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar, notice, every morning when he tends the lamps, and he must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight, so incense will burn regularly before the Lord for the generations to come. So the end of chapter 27 talks about the tending of the lamps, evening and morning. Then chapter 30 talks about the uh, offering of incense on the altar of incense in conjunction with that tending of the lamps every morning and evening. So there is a link there, evening, morning, morning, evening. And in the middle, we have the discussion of the priests and and how they are to be chosen, how they're to be ordained and consecrated, and how they are to be dressed in sacred garments for these sacred duties. So I, I think there's a an, an intentional flow in the way that Moses has arranged this. Arranged this. So the uh, the articles of furniture that have most to do with the daily functions of the priests are on either side of the description of the priests and their ordination and their consecration to the priesthood. So I think this is very intentional, what Moses is doing here. And so we're going to read this passage together. I do want to read through the whole chapter at one time, and then we'll go back and look through it together. Uh, Let's read through chapter 30 of Exodus, and then we'll go before the Lord in prayer. Moses writes in Exodus 30, Make an altar of acacia wood for burning incense. It is to be square, a cubit long and a cubit wide, and two cubits high. Its horns of one piece with it. Overlay the top and all the sides and the horns with pure gold, and make a gold molding around it. Make two gold rings for the altar below the molding, two on each of the opposite sides to hold the poles used to carry it. Make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, Put the altar in front of the curtain with shields that shields the Ark of the Covenant Law before the atonement cover that is over the tablets of the Covenant Law where I will meet with you. Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. He must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight so incense will burn regularly before the Lord for the generations to come. Do not offer on this altar any other incense or any burnt offering or grain offering, and do not pour a drink offering on it. Once a year, Aaron shall make atonement on its horns. 
This annual atonement must be made with the blood of the atoning sin offering for the generations to come. It is most holy to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, When you take a census of the Israelites to count them, each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life at the time he is counted. Then no plague will come on them when you number them. Each one who crosses over to those already counted is to give a half shekel according to the sanctuary shekel, which weighs 20 geras. This half shekel is an offering to the Lord. All who cross over, those 20 years old or more, are to give an offering to the Lord. The rich are not to give more than a half shekel, and the poor are not to give less when you make the offering to the Lord to atone for your lives. Receive the atonement money from the Israelites and use it for the service of the tent of meeting. It will be a memorial for the Israelites before the Lord, making atonement for your lives. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing and place it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they will not die. Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting a food offering to the Lord, they shall wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants for the generations to come. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, Half as much, that is 250 shekels of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant calamus, 500 shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary shekel, and a hin of olive oil. Make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be the sacred anointing oil. Then use it to anoint the tent of meeting, the Ark of the Covenant Law, the table and all its articles, the lampstand and its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, and the basin with its stand. You shall consecrate them, so they will be most holy, and whatever touches them will be holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them so that they may serve me as priests. Say to the Israelites, this is to be my sacred anointing oil for the generations to come. Do not... Pour it on anyone else's body, and do not make any other oil using the same formula. It is sacred, and you are to consider it sacred. Whoever makes perfume like it and puts it on anyone other than a priest must be cut off from their people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take fragrant spices, gum resin, anuka, and galbanum, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts, and make a fragrant blend of incense, the work of a perfumer. It is to be salted and pure and sacred. Grind some of it to powder and place it in front of the Ark of the Covenant Law in the tent of meeting, where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. Do not make any incense with this formula for yourselves. Consider it holy to the Lord. Whoever makes incense like it to enjoy its fragrance must be cut off from their people. Let's bow in prayer together. Our God, we thank you for this, your word. Thank you for the opportunity to read it and to meditate and study it tonight. Father, I pray that you would help us to to understand what you were teaching your people so many hundreds of years ago 
as you gave these instructions to them through your servant Moses. And Father, I pray that we would be able to understand more of who you are and how we as your people today in Christ uh, should relate to you. And Father, help us to worship you, to grow in greater love and adoration of who you are. Lord, bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at the altar of incense at the beginning of the chapter, a couple of things stand out. One, one of the things that stands out is that the materials that it is made out of portray its holiness. So it's made out of some of the same exact materials that the Ark of the Covenant is made out of. Acacia wood overlaid with gold has the poles to be carried so it is not directly touched when it is transported from one place to another. So it is a most sacred object. In fact, it is to stand at the very entrance to the most holy place, right in front of the curtain, the veil that separates the holy place from the most holy place. And so this altar of incense is to be right there. So it is incredibly sacred and holy. Another thing that is most interesting about this particular furnishing and its purpose is that it is to be continually burning. So every morning, every evening, there is to be a continual incense, a fragrant incense in the presence of the Lord. So it is a perpetual offering there to the Lord. And it's a reminder that the Lord is perpetually present in the midst of his people. He is there. Just as the, uh, the uh, lights are to be lit every morning and every evening as if someone's home, so also the fragrant perfumed incense is to be burning each morning and each evening as if someone is home because someone is. The Lord is there. He is present among his people. And it is for the Lord's enjoyment that this fragrance is to be offered. And so this is to be done daily in the presence of the Lord. The other thing that is significant about this particular altar is that it is very much unlike the altar that is outside the tent. So just outside the tent, you have the bronze altar, which is much larger because it has a different purpose. The bronze altar outside is for animal sacrifices. And so the, the altar outside would be big enough to be able to hold a complete animal to offer it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. But this altar, this altar of incense, it's made out of different materials. It's, it's gold, not bronze, because it is closer to the presence of the Lord. And also, no animal, no drink offering, no food offering, nothing else other than incense is to be offered on this altar ever. The only exception to incense taking place with this altar is the once-a-year atonement when blood is applied to this altar inside this, most, this holy place, just outside the curtain. And so no animal sacrifices, no food offerings. And one of the commentators that I was reading, I think, made a very astute point, And that is that this was to completely separate the worship of the one true God from the worship of all of the pagan gods that were around them in the Canaanites, the Egyptians, because in most of these pagan religions, 
the idea was that their gods needed to be fed. And so you would bring the offering and you would sacrifice it, but it was also with the idea of the gods consuming that food. And so interestingly enough, the, the, this altar that is closest to the presence of God, no food, no drink, no animal sacrifices. Why? Because our God doesn't need to be supported by food. There is a, a sweet smelling aroma, a pleasing fragrance in the presence of the Lord, but he is not sustained by anything that we bring him. He doesn't need our gifts to feed his life. He is completely independent. What is this, what is this altar of incense signify? What, what is its purpose? What is its meaning? And how can we apply it to ourselves today? I think uh, one of the things that it teaches us is the perpetual presence of the Lord. That because it was to be a fragrant offering to the Lord night and day, that it is his presence that is with his people at all times. Do we have the presence of God with us at all times? We do, don't we? In a different way than the people of God did in the Old Testament, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, don't we? Individually, each of us who is a child of God has the indwelling Holy Spirit. And also when we gather together as the church of God, the Holy Spirit is present among us. And so we have the perpetual presence of the Lord among us. The other thing that, that this incense, I think, represents is perpetual worship. Perpetual worship. Not only that the Lord is all, always present with his people, but that he is always to be worshipped. And, and this continual burning of incense is, is a continual gift to the Lord, if you will. And it is to be well-pleasing to him, a fragrant offering. So it is a, it's like a perpetual offering of worship to the Lord. But what's really fascinating about the incense and the, and the picture of incense in the scriptures is that all throughout the Bible, incense is very closely associated with prayer. Incense is very closely associated with prayer. Now, let me give you just a few of the passages in Psalm 141, verse 2, the psalmist says, May my prayer be set before you like incense. Psalm 141, verse 2, May my prayer be set before you like incense. Another interesting one, a couple more references from the New Testament. In the New Testament, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 10, this is uh, the context of Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. He is inside the temple as a priest. And interestingly enough, what Zechariah was doing is he was offering this altar of this incense on the altar of incense. And it says that when he was doing that in Luke chapter one, verse 10, that the people who were there, the assembled worshipers, they were outside praying. So it, it's, it's as if in conjunction with this, morning and evening offering of incense on the altar was a time of prayer by God's people. Then we also see in Revelation two more references, two more links together of incense and prayer. One of them we read earlier in the service in Romans or Revelation 5 verse 8. 
the four living creatures, they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which very much reminds us of this tabernacle imagery. So they're holding bowls of incense, and John says, which are the prayers of the saints. So the the incense itself is symbolized as the prayers of the saints in Revelation 5. And then Revelation 8, 3 and 4 says, the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hand. And so we have several places across Scripture where where incense is closely connected with prayer. Dwayne Garrett, in his commentary, points out another helpful link, and that is that not only prayer, but he suggests a specific kind of prayer. And he does this from the book of Numbers in chapter 16, that uh, after the rebellion of Korah and Dathan and Abiram, the Lord told Moses that he was going to wipe out the entire assembly. And a plague immediately struck the people of God. But Aaron, at Moses' instruction, put incense in his censer, and he ran into the assembly standing between the living and the dead. Standing between those who were still alive and those who had died already by the plague. And his burning of incense, quote, made atonement for Israel and stopped the plague in Numbers chapter 16. And so he says that in Numbers chapter 16, this is not a substitutionary sacrifice as in uh, the giving of a lamb or a, a bull's life as a atoning sacrifice. However, it does say that somehow this incense, this burning incense that Aaron went in between the living and the dead in the presence of the Lord, somehow it propitiated the wrath of God. And it caused his wrath to cease. And the, and the plague to cease, so the Lord forgave them. Similarly, in Psalm 141, verse 2, the, the verse I read a few moments ago, God in order to accept the psalmist's prayers like incense, and the, the psalmist asked God to accept the psalmist's prayers like incense and like the evening sacrifice, it says. He says also uh, from Revelation 5 and Revelation 8 that the burning of incense before God is representing the prayers of the saints. And he says in all of these cases, in Numbers in Psalms, in Revelation, in all of these cases, the incense represents the seeking of God's favor for the people. In Numbers 16, it is seeking the Lord's forgiveness and the staying of his chastisement. In Revelation, it is the plea of a persecuted church crying out to God for help and for mercy. And so he says, fundamentally, what's going on with the incense is an appeal for divine help and favor. It is an appeal to God in the form of prayer for divine help and favor. And so how do we apply this to ourselves today? We pray. We pray. We are not required under the new covenant as Aaron and his sons and the priests were under the old covenant, to perpetually offer up to the Lord literal incense burning night and day. But should we not pray to the Lord 
night and day. We should pray to him. We should seek his favor. We should seek his divine help. And so this passage teaches us to worship the Lord through prayer. This passage also teaches us to worship the Lord through the offering of ourselves and complete dependence on God and his authority. In this section that talks about the census and the money given to atone for the lives of the Israelites, there's something very interesting going on here. And and the commentators are in a bit of disagreement about what the significance of this passage is. Some of the commentators say that the sole purpose for this section is to essentially put a tax on the Israelites so as to raise support for the perpetual ministry of the tabernacle. But I think that a better understanding of it in this context and linking it with other passages in the Old Testament is that that's not the primary purpose for what God is saying here. The primary purpose for what God is saying is that essentially He is discouraging the people from conducting a census. He is discouraging them from doing that. If they are to do it, if they do perform a census, then in order to stay the Lord's hand of wrath, they're to redeem their own lives with the payment of a half shekel. Where does that half shekel go? Well, it goes toward the tabernacle and its service. But the primary purpose is Don't take a census. Why? Because what's the purpose of a census? The purpose of a census is essentially for a centralized government to see how big we are, to see how we can tax, to see how big our army is. And essentially the Lord is saying here, you don't need to do that. You don't need to depend on your army. You don't need to depend on your strength. You don't need to depend on your wealth. You need to depend on me. And you don't need to seek to become a a nation state like all the other nations around you. You don't have to become like Egypt. You can be my tribes under my kingship. It's interesting that pretty much everywhere in the Old Testament where a census is taken, there are negative things that happen when a census is taken. In the time of David, when David took a census the Lord's hand was was mightily against his people in anger because of that census that David took. And it's interesting that in this passage, the Lord specifically says, if or when you take a census, in order to stop the plague or to keep the plague from coming to you, you must ransom your life with a, with a payment of redemption, which is a half shekel. So... I tend to be in agreement with those that say the primary purpose of this is to continue to depend upon the Lord instead of our own strength, to depend on the Lord instead of our own numbers, and to follow the leadership and the authority of the Lord instead of seeking to establish ourselves as mighty. Bow in humility before the Lord and depend upon Him. So, Worship the Lord through the offering of ourselves in complete dependence on Him. Thirdly, this passage teaches us, I believe, that we ought to worship the Lord with purity. That we should worship the Lord with purity. 
in this very short section in verses 17 through 21, we see a direction for the people of God to make a bronze basin. And this bronze basin is specifically for the priests. And it has one purpose. It's one purpose is so that the priests may wash their hands and their feet before they go in to serve the Lord in his presence. Now, if you remember in chapter 28 and 29, when the priests were consecrated for the first time, they were to be completely washed. But now when they go in to serve on a regular basis, they are to wash their hands and their feet. Why is that? Is this for, is this for hygiene? Is this to make sure that germs aren't spread through the tabernacle area? That's not the purpose. The purpose is symbolic, isn't it? It's symbolic to represent the purity and the cleanness that is required of those who serve in the presence of the Lord. And so the physical cleanness of the hands and the feet is intended to portray and represent the the spiritual cleanness, the spiritual purity that ought to be characteristic of the lives of the priests who serve, of the lives of God's people. Psalm 24 asks this question, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can worship at his holy temple? He whose hands are clean, right? And who has a pure heart. So someone who's clean on the outside, but not just clean on the outside, someone who is clean on the inside. That seems to be the thrust of this. It's, it's symbolic, but it portrays a very important theological truth. And that is, to come and to worship God, to serve God, we are to seek purity. Essentially, we are to be holy as our God is holy. To be a pure people. Now, in the Old Testament law, in this law that we're reading tonight, this is specifically for Aaron and his sons, for the priesthood. But what are we now as the church of God, if not but a kingdom of priests? As 1 Peter describes it, 1 Peter 2, we are a kingdom of priests. We are each individual priests under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ as our great high priest. And so each of us must seek to have purity of life in our service of the Lord. Finally, I think this passage is teaching us in this last section that talks about the anointing oil and the incense. I think what is significant is not so much how these substances were made and of what substances they were composed. The key significance about these is that they were sacred. And so this passage teaches us that we ought to worship the Lord through consecration. By being completely set apart, consecrated, dedicated to the service of the Lord. The anointing oil, he gives the formula. This, this much of this, this much of this, this much of this. Give it to a perfumer, he has to make it. This is for the anointing oil. This is the anointing oil to dedicate the, the priests and their garments and the articles that are going into the tabernacle and all these things that are used for the worship of the Lord. This is specifically to dedicate those things to God and to set those things apart unto God, sacred for his use. And the anointing oil itself is sacred. God says to Moses and to the people, no one is to take this formula and make this anointing oil for yourself. 
or use it on yourself or for any other purpose than for this. In other words, this passage is separating the sacred or the holy from the profane, the mundane, the common. This anointing oil is for this purpose, for the Lord. It is set apart. Same thing for the incense. The incense, and this kind of brings a bookend to this passage because it started with the altar of incense, and now it ends with the actual incense that's burned on that altar. And it gives the description of the things that are to be that it's to be made of and how it's to be made. But then again, it says, don't use this incense for anything else. It's to be a beautiful, sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. And you might be tempted to use this in your own home for your own enjoyment. This isn't for you. This is for God. This is set apart. This is sacred. Now, how do we apply that to us today? Because we don't have a physical temple. We don't have a physical tabernacle. We don't have a physical Ark of the Covenant that is separate, distinct, set apart for the worship of God. I would say probably the best way to apply it to us today is to consider ourselves as consecrated to God. Almost in a Romans 12 verse 1 sort of way that Paul urges the Christians and Romans to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. This is your suitable, this is your pleasing act of worship. In other words, just as the incense was offered up to God as a sweet-smelling savor to Him, so our lives perpetually, just as the incense was offered perpetually in the tabernacle, our lives are to be a living sacrifice perpetually offered to God for His service. And there's a sense in which there really is, for the child of God, there really is no setting apart the sacred from the profane. Because our whole lives are to be sacred, aren't they? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, whatever you do, whether you eat, whether you drink, do it all to the glory of God. Whether you're doing your work, whether you're doing chores at home, whether you're coming to the Lord's house to worship, there's a sense in which everything that we do should be sacred. Everything that we do should be set apart unto the Lord. A continual living sacrifice to God. And so may we worship the Lord through consecration. So let's worship the Lord through prayer. Let's worship the Lord through complete dependence on Him and offering Him ourselves. Let's worship the Lord through purity. Worship Him through consecration. May this passage teach us that and may we seek to apply it as the Holy Spirit leads us. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these things that have been written through your servant Moses. And even though, Father, some of these rituals seem so far removed from us, I pray that you would help us to see the abiding significance of what they represent and how those meanings, those significances continue on and are carried to us through the life and the ministry and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, may we see our lives as being for your service. May we see ourselves as 
being a, a perpetual sacrifice to you for your service and for your, for your glory. Lord, may we continue to depend upon you and your strength and not ourselves. Lord, may we seek you in prayer and, and seek divine favor and help from you. Father, we thank you that you are our God. You are our Father. You are our loving Lord. Lord, help us as we seek to live as your people. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.